for the opportunity of being able to share his word. Um, I want to thank Pastor for inviting us this morning uh, to be able to come here and uh, share God's word with you um, this morning. I, I'm glad that much of my family is with me this morning. And uh, one of the things that we really appreciate prayer for is that our older daughter, Kim Kim, the one that's not with us this morning, uh, will be getting married next Sunday. And uh, the reason we are here is to be part of her wedding. And uh, it was just an absolute privilege meeting pastor, the pastor asking me to share with you from God's word this morning. And my prayer this morning as we spend a few minutes listening to God's word is that God would speak to us in clear and personal ways, but also a time when we would be able to see what God is doing across this country. I want to just very quickly um, um, thank you very much for sending teams to work along with the Kolkata Christian Fellowship. Uh, Kolkata Christian Fellowship is a church that works out of the city of Kolkata, but like your pastor said, we have the privilege of past, uh, supporting about 23 missionaries working in different parts of West Bengal and the regions beyond uh, with the hope and desire of seeing people come to Jesus Christ. One of the things that I share with great amount of joy is that the entire pastoral team of uh, KCF, I am the only person who was born in a Christian home. All of our pastors, almost 25 of them, are all first-generation believers. And uh, we want to thank God for that. Most of our churches are all first-generation churches. Uh, we want to give God thanks and praise. One of the things that I'm going to ask you to pray for is we've got a new community center. We just purchased it, and it was wonderful to have the ladies from your church. When we inaugurated this community center just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we want to try and build this up to be a center of training to be able to train people who would go out of Bengal and touch the regions around Bengal and also in the northern regions of India. So we'd like you to pray very specially this coming year. We'd like to see this community center completed to the glory of God, that God would in special ways use this place for his honor. Uh, for the last one year, my wife and I have been involved in a new church plant. We started last March with about 30 people, and this is in the newest area of Kolkata, a place called Newtown. And we want to thank God that every week God is adding new people, and we are able to reach out to people in a new area to his uh, glory and praise. In this region, we're trying to do something a little differently from KCF. Uh, we're not doing missionaries, we're doing more partners. So I have nine partners, Bengali partners, that work with us. We have five house churches that we work with, about 250 children from other faith backgrounds. So do remember to pray for this work as well. And already we are in the process of uh, working towards our first daughter church. Uh, our church plant is just about a little over a year old, and we're working at our first daughter church and our hope is that in January we would purchase that building. I put a picture of that building and be able to set up our first daughter church from this church plant. And uh, so we really appreciate your prayers. Uh, Mai and I are here through all of the services this morning. So if you want to come and talk to us a little more about the ministry we do, um, we would be most happy to talk with you. Um, in, a, in a short time, wanting to stay true to uh, teaching the word this morning, I don't want to spend too much time talking about our ministry, so I'd really appreciate if you would come and spend time with us. At the end of the service, we'd be able to talk a little more about what God is doing. 
What I want to try to do this morning is to try and fit into the theme that pastor has chosen for you as a church in this season, which is the theme of Christmas presents. Um, the fact that God is with us, the Lord Jesus is with us. He is the greatest gift. And in this gift, we find meaning, transformation, and our lives are changed forevermore. What we want to do this morning is we want to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture and one that Pastor read for us beautifully this morning. And uh, the more I, I look at my own life and ministry, the more I look at my own teaching, I'm beginning to recognize that there's possibly one gift that God's given me. I didn't realize it was a gift till a couple of years ago. Uh, when I read the Bible, I see outlines. Um, and so for me, everything is about outlines. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. But when I'm reading the Bible, I actually see outlines. And I, and I thought it was something that everybody could do. But over the years, I've begun to recognize that it's a gift from God. So what I want to do this morning is to really quickly just outline um, the text for this morning. And then I want to leave with you three lessons that I hope you would take with you and consider for this week. And so this is our outline this morning. As we look at the text in Isaiah chapter 9, I want to suggest that the context of that text presents to us that God's people are in a very pitiful place. They are broken, they are ravaged, they are in a very, very terrible place. And in a minute, I'm going to read those scriptures for you and walk you down each one of those words just in a minute. But I'd like us to have the overarching theme for this morning. God's people find themselves in an absolutely pitiful place. And it's at a time like that that the prophet Isaiah speaks to them and says, God wants to make this pitiful people into a purposeful people. So God is going to take, take them out of their darkness and move them into this brilliant light, the light of the fullness of experiencing the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is our Savior, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And what is beautiful in our text is that Isaiah says that the pitiful can become purposeful because of one reason, and that reason is that Jesus is all-powerful. And so that's our overarching theme for this morning. The pitiful becoming purposeful because my Savior is powerful. And I think that's a great Christmas message for us to carry into a world around us. Because if you would look around the world in which we live, the world that we live in is a pitiful world. If you have your Bibles with you, you're following with me. Now I'm reading for you in, in context, Isaiah chapter 8, beginning to read to you at verse 19. Listen to what Isaiah is saying. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists, who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of God? You know what Isaiah is saying? My people, rather than inquiring of me, you have now started to inquire of mediums and spiritists. He's talking about a disobedient people of God. A people of God who rather than seeking the face of God are seeking spiritus, speaking, seeking after mediums. And God is saying, hey, my children, shouldn't you be seeking after me? 
In fact, in verse 20, he says, consult God's instruction and testimony and, and warnings. If anyone does not speak according to, to this word, they have no light of dawn. So as you look at those two verses, I want to suggest to you two things that are happening. One, the children of God are disobedient, and in their disobedience, they find themselves as those that are defiled with sin. They have sinned and rebelled against God. And in some ways, if I had space, I would add one more D word into my outline this morning. And that would be the word discipline. Because down from verse, the, the, the third point on down to ver, uh, the seventh point, I want us to look at how God is going to discipline his people. Because if you're looking at Isaiah chapter um, 8, he begins by saying, these disobedient people who are defiled, this is what is going to happen to you. Look at verse 21. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged. And looking upward will curse their king and their God. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now, that's the kind of picture that Isaiah is painting of the children of God. They are disobedient, they are defiled, and as a result of it, God disciplines them. They go through a season of great distress. They are destitute. They are dejected. They are in darkness. They raise their fist against God. This is a terrible place to be at. This is a place of terrible brokenness. Now, I want to suggest to you this morning that as we celebrate the Christmas season, the Christmas season is celebrated in that context. The fact that I lived a terrible pitiful existence, and God in his mercy and grace, in the fullness of time, sent his only begotten son, for to us a child is born, so that I can move out of the pitiful and become purposeful. This morning, as you look at that list, I don't know if there's somebody sitting here this morning who says, you know what, one of those words is my story. I'm in a place of disobedience to God. I feel defiled this morning. I feel distressed this morning. I feel defeated this morning. I feel dejected this morning. I am going through a season when God is disciplining me. I'll never forget this day. It was the 11th of December. If our PowerPoint went off. There's nothing on it. No, it's, it's open, but um, the PowerPoint just went off. Okay, I'll never forget this date. It was the 11th of December, the year 2014. I was speaking at a meeting in a place called Chokpot. This is open-air meetings, hundreds of people sitting down listening to God's Word. And I was speaking from Luke chapter 7 talking about that sinful woman who came and anointed the feet of Jesus. And in the context of my message that day, I was talking about what Jesus alone can do. He not only forgives me, he takes that which I think is dirty and uses it for his honor and praise. 
Think about the lady, her eyes. She used those eyes to lust after men. Now that eye is bringing forth tears that are washing the feet of Jesus, and he's loving it. The hair of that woman, she used that hair to attract men, but now that hair is a towel wiping his feet, and Jesus loves it. The lips she used in sin, now are the lips that kiss him, and there are tears in his eyes. The perfume she used for her best customers, she breaks it before him, and it rises up as an aroma worthy of the God of the universe. So I was sharing about how Jesus not only transforms me, he takes what I feel is dirty and uses it for his honor. And there's a man walking down. Um, this is not even altar call time. He's walking down. And he comes and stands right up in front. And I'm preaching away. And he's standing up right in front and crying. And finally, I gave the altar call. Lots of people came along. And I knelt down in front saying, God, I want to thank you for saving people today. And there was a tap on my shoulder. And I turned around. And there was a man who said to me, you know the man that came up in front today? Let me tell you his story. I said, what's his story? He said, he just came out of prison yesterday. Why did he come out of prison yesterday? He was in prison for the last seven years. Why was he in prison? He was in prison because he raped somebody. And I'm so angry on the inside because we work, with, we work with children who are pulled out of dark places. And I'm so angry on the inside that this man was a rapist in jail and has just come out yesterday. And I turned around and said, whom did he rape? And they said, he raped his own daughter. And as I knelt down there, my heart was so heavy. I knelt down there and I was praying. And as I prayed, I heard Jesus speak to me. And he said, you know something? I died for this man. Though your sins be like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though you feel your life is an absolute mess, I can turn it around. And that day, the 11th of December, 2014, that man gave his heart to Jesus. He's been walking with Jesus ever since. He and his daughter, they come to church to worship together. It's a transformation that no man can bring. It's a transformation that only Jesus can bring. Because he takes the pitiful and he makes them purposeful. The second lesson that I want us to think about, this is again in terms of the grand outline for this morning. You can go back home and study this text in, the, in view of this particular outline. But I just want to take you through this outline, leave you with three lessons to think about this morning. So as Isaiah paints for us this pitiful picture, it's a terrible picture, right? If you're looking at chapter 8, the last few verses, you're saying, man, what a terrible picture. But into that picture, Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus Christ, Isaiah says, hey, you know what? This is what God wants for you. What does he want for you? Begin to look with me at verse 9. Let me read for you verse 9. Sorry, verse 1 of chapter 9. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In fact, if you read many commentators, commentators will will like to uh, title this particular passage, From Gloom to Glory. You know, this is about God taking us from a place of gloom and bringing us into a place of glory. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nation by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. Them that knew no favor will now find favor. That's God's desire. The people who walked in darkness will have, will have seen a great light. 
and those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned upon them. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing their plunder. I hope you see what Isaiah is saying. Isaiah is saying, out of that broken, pitiful place that you were in, this is what God wants to do for you. He wants to show you favor. He wants to make you fruitful. He wants you to have joy and fulfillment in your life. Verse 4, for as in the days of Midian's, Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of your oppressor. God not only wants to show you favor, not only does he want to make you fruitful and find fulfillment, he also wants to bring freedom into your lives. And then he says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And as you come to the end of that particular passage of scripture, he says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That's what God wants. God wants to give me favor. He wants to make me fruitful. He wants me to enjoy freedom. He wants to bring me into fellowship with him. He wants to give me a fullness. And that's something that he wants to last forever. This is not for one Christmas. This is forever. Out of my pitiful state, God picks me up and says, hey, you know what? I want to make you purposeful. The next story I want to tell you is a story that is absolutely a brilliant story of God. There was, the, there was an American Baptist missionary by the name of Miles Bronson who came down to India about 150 years ago, worked in the upper Assam region, regions. And as he worked in the upper Assam regions, trying to lead people to Jesus Christ, these two men, Omed and Ramke, an uncle and nephew, were the first ones to come to Jesus Christ. And once they came to Jesus Christ, Miles Bronson was so happy because he found two brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ, started to invest in them. And he said, I want you to be with me. I want you to serve God with me. And these two guys said, sorry, we don't want to be with you. We want to go back to our own people. Who were their people? Their people were the Garos, animists, headhunters, lost people, people in darkness. They needed to see the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. So this uncle and nephew said, listen, we love you very much, Miles Bronson, but we want to go back to our own people. So they went off to a place called Raja Simla. And when they went to Raja Simla, they were the only two men that knew Jesus in a dark place. They were ostracized excommunicated, went through great struggles. History records that his nephew and uncle will hug a cotton tree and they would cry out to God, God, like the cotton seed pops and spreads all around, would you please have a Holy Spirit moment where the gospel can spread all around? Please, God. They held on to that cotton tree and they cried their heart out. Two years after that day, there were 10 people ready for baptism. So they called Miles Bronson to come for the baptism. In those days, Miles Bronson used to travel by elephant, came by elephant, and on that Sunday, in the backwaters of the Garo Hills, the first 10 Garos were baptized. And at the end of the baptism, Miles Bronson wanted to go back. They tried to get the elephant up, but the elephant wouldn't move. They did everything they could. The elephant wouldn't move, so Miles Bronson decided to stay the night. He stayed the night. The next morning, when he got up, there were 11 more people who came and said, we were shy to be baptized yesterday. Would you baptize us today? 
He baptized the leaven and the elephant stood up ready to move. In the history of the Garo people is recorded the fact that God made the elephant not to move because he wanted to save 11 more Garo people. The next 40 years, one million Garos found Jesus Christ. You know why? Because an uncle and a nephew held a cotton tree and said, God, into this darkness will your light shine. You who promise that out of the pitiful you will make the purposeful, God, would you please shine. What an incredible story of how God works. As an American missionary goes out into this remote part, works with these Indians, and sees people come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The pitiful will become purposeful because Jesus is powerful. You know, in fact, as you look at the, the primary text for our morning, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. I'd like you to notice that twice he says to us. God's grace just for you, just for me. I, that unworthy, pitiful, terrible one in his grace, he sent his only begotten son just for me. For to us his grace. The second thing that I'd like us to notice, for to us a child is born, talking about his humanity, talking about Jesus' humanity. To us, a son is given, talking about his divinity. This is not only about grace. This is about God's glory, the incarnate God, the God of heaven and earth, born as a, as a baby in, in, in a manger so that you and I can be redeemed. And then it's all about his greatness. And the government will be on his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace. There will be no end. What an incredible, what an incredible promise to the people of God that is coming from the heart of Isaiah almost 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ. I'd like us to stop this morning and think about it. A pitiful people. God is saying, I want to make you purposeful. And how do I make you purposeful? I'm sending the Redeemer, my one and only begotten son, to save you. I was speaking in Thailand several years ago. And as I was speaking in Thailand, I was talking about the substitutory work of Jesus Christ. And a Thai pastor came up to me and said, the Thai people understand this story really well. And I said, how do they understand this story? And so he told me this story. There was once a Thai king who loved his people very much. One day there was an enemy kingdom that was coming against his people. And when they were coming against his people, the Thai king boldly stood in front of his people, faced up to the enemy kingdom and said, if you have any, if you have any strength to get my people, you need to first get me. Now, the enemy kingdom was a huge, they had a huge army, and the Thai army was small and insignificant. And so the enemy king laughed at the top of his voice, and he said, what are you going to do? I'm going to smash your people. But then he looked at this king, and in the king's eye, he saw a great commitment for his people. And so he decided to take a wager with the king, and he said, you see this river here? If you can jump into this river and stay under the water for two hours, then I won't touch your people. And he began to laugh. Because he said to himself, the Thai king will jump in, he will try to hold his breath and he'll die. And when he dies, his body will float up anyway, I'll defeat his people. 
The Thai king looked at his people and he said, I love you very much. He looked at the opponent king and said, I'll teach you a lesson. And he jumped into the water. 20 minutes went by. 30 minutes went by. An hour went by. We're getting close to two hours. And then the oppo opposing, opposing king knew he'd lost the wager. He didn't know what to do. And just before he turned his army to leave, he asked his generals. He said, jump into the water and tell me what happened. And they jumped into the water and they went right to the bottom. And they saw a sight that they lived to tell people. Because as the Thai king jumped into the water, he was a man that had long hair. He undid his long hair and he went right to the bottom of that river. And there was a root of a tree. And onto the root of the tree, he bound his hair saying, my people, I will die. My body will not float. I will die so that you will live. In many ways, that's just a very small reflection of what the God of the universe did for me. When I was in that pitiful, lost existence, his heart for me was, I want to make you purposeful. I want to give you hope. I want to give you peace. I want to give you joy. And you know what he did in the fullness of time? He sent his only begotten son, the Lord Jesus. For unto us a child is born, who died on the cross of Calvary, so that when I believe in him, out of my brokenness, he is able to bring beauty. What do I take away this morning? I want you to take away three lessons this morning as you walk away from the church. Lesson number one, this whole season of Christmas is a reminder that God is able to bring beauty out of my brokenness. This season of Christmas is a reminder that God is able to take the pitiful and make us purposeful. Let me tell you the story of a man that I'll never forget. The first time I went down to this church in Manipur, um, I was actually quite surprised at the way in which they did their offerings. This man, his name is Tamai, he's standing with Pastor Amon, sitting outside the church, and the members before they come to the church handing over their offerings to him. You know, he comes early in the morning, service starts at 8 o'clock, he's at 6 o'clock, and people are coming in from 6 o'clock, they're giving him the offerings, he's writing receipts, he's, he's taking the money, he's writing receipts, and by the time the service starts, he's given everybody their money receipts, and they've announced the offerings. And I said to Pastor Amen, I said, hey, this man must be a really honest man. Because you put him in a place where he receives all the money of people week after week. And if this man, even for one moment, would be dishonest, you'd lose a lot of the money of God. And Pastor Amen said, let me tell you his story. This man was the worst drunkard of our whole town. He was the most violent man of our whole town. He was the most disgraceful man of our whole town. He was the man that nobody trusted in our whole town. But all of that changed in 2009 when he gave his heart to Jesus. He said when he gave his heart to Jesus, this man was so embarrassed to come to church because he said if he comes to church, everybody else will run away from church because he lived such a terrible life. So the pastor in his wisdom said, hey, listen, there's one corner in the church that not many people can see. I'm going to set up a chair for you. You sit in that corner. So the first week, he came in with fear and trembling, sat in that corner. He didn't want anybody to see. He quietly worshipped the Lord and went away. Week after week, he came and sat in that corner. 
And slowly but surely, people began to see a man whose life had been transformed by the power of Calvary. People began to greet him and shake hands with him. And then in about 2015, when the church got together for their annual general body meeting, they wanted to choose the most important place, a man at the treasury. And all of a sudden, the whole church unanimously says, let's have Kamai doing our treasury work for us. And I want to suggest to you, that's the message of Christmas. That God is able to take broken, untrustworthy, defiled, terrible vessels and able to turn them around and use them for his honor and his praise. I don't know if I used this illustration before, but it's an illustration that illustrates my own life. A man was walking down the streets one day, and as he was walking down the streets, he found a dirty piece of bamboo. So the man picked up this dirty piece of bamboo, and he started to carry it home. And as he was carrying it home, the bamboo began to laugh and talk to himself. The bamboo said, you must be a fool to take me home. What can you do with the dirty piece of bamboo? The children were playing with me. It rained last night. Look at how dirty I am. Just throw me on the streets. But the man took the bamboo home, started to wash the bamboo, and the bamboo laughed even more. He said, can washing change a dirty piece of bamboo? The man then measured the bamboo, and the bamboo felt ticklish and said, what are you doing with me? He made a few distinct marks, and then he brought a drill and began to drill holes in the bamboo. The bamboo screamed and shouted, said, I hate you, just leave me alone. A couple of days later, the man picked up the bamboo, and he came down to the South Church in Lansing. Everybody in the church was so well-dressed. It was Christmas season. They all looked their Christmas colors. And the bamboo said, why have you brought me here? I'm from the streets. I'm dirty. I'm horrible. Why did you bring me here? And so the bamboo was trying to hide in the man's shirt. The man pulled the bamboo out, put it to his lips. And he began to play music because he turned the bamboo into a flute. And as he began to play music, everybody in South Church began to clap their hands. And the bamboo began to cry. He said, Lord... I was dirty, I was on the streets, you took me up, you cleansed me, you changed me, you made me new, and now you even sing through me. That's my story. On the streets, unworthy, pitiful, but he picked me up and made me purposeful, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Lesson number one, he takes my beauty, he takes my brokenness and turns it into beauty. Lesson number two, I, I, I want to suggest to you that when the prophet Isaiah gave this message, you know, when you talk about um, birth announcements, you know, when somebody wants to announce uh, the birth of a child, they possibly do it one week, two weeks, maybe nine months in advance, right? But this birth announcement happened something like 700 years before it happened. And you wonder why is God making this birth announcement so many years ago? I want to suggest this. And I find this something that I see in the New Testament all the time. If you're reading the epistles, the, the writer of the epistles more often than not when they talk about holiness, talk about hope. And both of these are deeply connected. Let me just illustrate it really fast. My daughter is getting married on the 15th. Every day she gets up, the date that she thinks about is the 15th. Every calendar in her home, 15th is marked. You know, she's living, she's living by hope. Every single day, she's been driven by hope. Now just stop and think about it. She's walking down Grand Rapids, and all of a sudden, the most handsome man in the entire planet stops and says to my daughter, hey, you look pretty. Why don't you go out with me for a dance? 
my daughter looks at him and says, man, I've never seen somebody so handsome as him. But just as she takes a look at him, bing, 15th of December. And she says, listen, you may be handsome, but I don't want to mess up anything because I'm living by hope. And I want to suggest to you that's the way I live my life. When I walk out of the church, there's so many temptations that come, but I'm driven by hope. I am going to be married to Jesus. I am looking forward to that great marriage with the Lamb. And therefore, I don't want to mess up with unholiness. Now, I want to suggest to you that just like it was for the people in Isaiah's day, it is for us because the fulfillment of this promise has not happened. That eternal peace is yet to come. And I pray that that hope in this season will motivate all of you to live a holy life. Sadhu Sundar Singh was a great man, a great servant of India. He was serving the Lord near Bhutan one day. And when he was near Bhutan, all of a sudden a group of people caught him and they began to persecute him. And as they began to persecute him, they said, listen, if you don't leave this place, we'll do to you as we did to Katar Singh. Now, Sadhu Sundar Singh had never heard of Qatar Singh, so he turned around and said, who is this Qatar Singh? I thought I was the first Singh coming to Bhutan to tell people about Jesus Christ. So he went back and did some research on Qatar Singh. Qatar was a 19-year-old boy when he accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. Once he accepted Jesus Christ as his savior, his family did everything they could to discourage him from walking with Jesus, but they couldn't discourage him because this was a man that was committed to walking with Jesus. His hope in Jesus was, was leading him into a life of holiness and faithfulness. One cold winter day in Patiala in Punjab, his father, not able to take it anymore, stripped Qatar Singh bone naked. And in front of his whole family said, if you want to walk with Jesus, the door is open, get out. Qatar looked at his father and he said, Daddy, you see me naked. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He walked out never to come back again. He went to Bhutan, laid his life down for Jesus Christ. Sadhu Sundar Singh was so challenged by that story. Everywhere he went, he told Qatar Singh's story. One day in Patiala, as he was telling the story, the old man in the back began to cry. They brought him up in front. Who are you, sir? He said, I remember like yesterday. I stripped my son naked. He said, get out of the door. He looked at me and he said, Daddy, you see me naked. I'm clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Sadhu Sundar Singh led Qatar Singh's father to the saving grace of Jesus that day. You know, this is serious business. If in this season of Christmas, the hope you have does not help you to live a holy life, then I don't know what will. I don't know what will. Christmas is about the children of God walking in accordance to his word. The last lesson. It's about beauty out of my brokenness. It's about holiness because of the hope I have. And finally, it's, a, it's, a, it's about being testimonies in the face of trials. You know, as I read Isaiah, you read Isaiah chapter 6, when God called Isaiah, he said to him, Isaiah, I'm calling you, you're going to speak, people will not listen. You're going to speak, I'm going to make the hearts of people hard. And I want to just tell you that this Christmas season, no matter how difficult it is, if God is able to take the pitiful and make them purposeful by sending our powerful Savior, you have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to tell somebody, no matter how difficult it is. It was very difficult for Isaiah, but he did. People didn't listen to Isaiah, but he did. And 700 years later, what he said happened. 
My friend, they may not listen to you, but please remember, having experienced the Christmas story, there's no way you can get away from this place saying, I did not know. There's no way you can do that. I want to finish by telling you a story. Uh, it's possibly one of the most recent stories that have challenged my and my heart immensely. About two months ago, Maya and I had the joy of speaking to a group of young budding doctors in a place called the Christian Medical College in Valor. And in the midst of our speaking, there were different people that were sharing testimonies. And one was the testimony of Dr. Philip John. What's his story? Dr. Philip John used to be the leading head and neck cancer surgeon in a state, uh, in, a, in a place called Trivandrum, working with some of the most difficult surgeries. And one day God speaks to him and says, Philip, I want you to pack up your bags. I want you to go to Orissa to serve me as a missionary. And Philip says the hardest thing was for my father because when they had family gatherings, my father would call everybody around and say, you know who my son is? Leading head and neck surgeon. But now the father doesn't know what to say. Son is going off to a lonely place in Orissa to serve the Lord. Son came down to Malkingiri, a lonely village in Orissa to be a witness for Christ. He went down to the medical center. It hadn't been used for years. It was dirty, filthy. Went down to the local church. Said, Pastor, can you give me somebody who can come and clean this place? I want to get it up and moving. Pastor sent a lady along. The lady came, looked at the place, and she said, I can clean everything, but I won't touch the washrooms. I won't touch the toilets. And, Pastor, and Dr. Phillips said, hey, listen, if you don't do the toilets, I can't run this place. She said, that's your problem, and walked away. He says that evening, he locks the, the entire medical facility. He kneels down, he's got acid, he's got a brush, and he's brushing and cleaning a bathroom that hasn't been cleaned for months and years. And as he's cleaning it, he's saying, God, a week ago, I was using some of the most expensive instruments in working on human lives. And right now, I'm cleaning dirt. And he says, in that one minute, Dr. Philip died, and Jesus began to live through me. I want to ask you, have you died? Is Jesus living through you? Amen.